I'm Brooke. I'm Ryan. And we famously gave you the definitive rankings of the Kingdom Hearts worlds. But we're not stopping there. Full disclosure, we still don't know a lot about games. But we're PhDs in Kingdom Hearts. Kind of. Boss by boss. Tune by tune. Melody by memory. We're going to make you fall in love with the game again. And also with us. Maybe. So hop aboard the cricket cage of Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. The podcast. The podcast. I know I'm plugging the Patreon. I'm still editing the the one from last week with Noel that I hope everyone listened to and enjoyed because I have to put in. Did you put in the clips of what we showed? You can actually hear them pretty well. Oh, good. The highlight, though, is really the cringiest, the reasons I can't show Kingdom Hearts to my friends moments. I'm all that there ever was. I asked your name. I'm me. No, I'm me. Yeah, it is really insane. So spoiler alert for those of you that aren't on Patreon and aren't listening, which like if you're listening to this, you know that last week Ryan and I had the immense pleasure of getting to see each other in person for such limited amounts of time and never alone, which is why you didn't get quite the normal amount of chaos content that you get when we are together. Ryan, you said you had something to tell me. Yes. So in all things Disney universe, you know, we have to bring it up here. I spent the afternoon watching with my dear friend, Beauty and the Beast Enchanted Christmas. And it's worth a revisit because there are some there are some problems. There is some real problematic content. What's the basic plot? The basic plot, speaking of gaslighting, is during Beast and Belle's courtship, around the time of there's something there that wasn't there before, Belle realizes it's Christmas Eve and is trying to get the castle to celebrate Christmas. And so over the course of 24 hours, Belle tries to make Christmas happen. But the Beast is being influenced by this giant gay pipe organ voiced by Tim Curry. Somewhere before Beauty and the Beast, the dance with the big yellow dress, and there's something there, Christmas happens. And this movie unpacks the events of that Christmas, which involve a lot of rewriting of history. Like the yellow dress Beauty and the Beast song happens on Christmas night. The prince becomes transformed into a beast on Christmas. Also, the castle gets destroyed in Beauty and the Beast Enchanted Christmas by Tim Curry's organ, who, through the power of sound, destroys the castle. So there's all these big events. And also, after the Beast saves Belle from the wolves, she then goes into the woods again to get a Christmas tree, even though there are Christmas trees all over the place. And the Beast has to rescue her again. And then he throws her in a dungeon to rot after she's fallen to an icy lake with no blankets or anything, essentially gives her pneumonia. So if you were to line up the timeline of Beauty and the Beast and Beauty and the Beast Enchanted Christmas, there are a lot of red flags for Belle. Like Stockholm Syndrome really comes through here. And Bernadette Peters is in it. She plays an angel. Also, okay, this is the biggest thing. and The last thing I'll say. Lumiere's girlfriend is who? Besides you. Fifi. <laughs> what faces do? <laughs> Fifi, the dust, the duster, the dust. That was the bet. That's right. Fifi, <laughs> Fifi. I don't know. <laughs> great, great. Okay. Um. So in this movie, Fifi or Babette, whatever her friends call her, Babette, call her by her government name. <laughs> What's on her ID? Lumiere is having an affair with 
Bernadette Peters' Angelique the Angel. Okay, well, Lumiere always famously, if this is in the timeline of Beauty and the Beast, it's not unfathomable that Lumiere's like come to monogamy like does happen at the end. Like, I feel like they're doing cat and mouse for a little bit. So, Mm. you know, maybe Bernadette Peters is the one that shows him the way. Back to... But, but, when you say angel, what do you mean? I mean, she's at the top of a tree, like one of the top of the tree angel. She's a human, she's a human tree topper. She's got a, a blonde bob, like little blue eyes, wings. She's the castle's decorator who's transformed into a Christmas ornament. A midquel is what they call this. A midquel. I've never heard that word before. Me either. So in some ways, actually, like to make it Kingdom Hearts related, 365 over 3 is like a midquel. It's happening in the midst of events we know, but it's unpacking a certain part. I would say that this is very on brand with Kingdom Hearts. I would say another example of a midquel would be, well, it's both a prequel and a midquel is my underrated Disney movie fave, which is Lion King one and a half. Have you seen this? Pride. That's Lion King 2. Lion King 1 and a half is the Timon and Pumbaa story. It's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. And so they basically are like, come watch The Lion King with us. We're going to tell you our version of the story. And there are some absolute bangers. Thank you for putting that on my radar. Wait, you've never seen Lion King 1 and a half? Never seen the midquel. Quick before the hyena come. Oh my God, it's unbelievable the meerkat song that one little strain of music that you just gave me is more memorable than anything in beauty and the beast enchanted christmas dig a tunnel dig dig a tunnel then you gotta dig another tunnel dig a tunnel dig dig a tunnel and they're meerkats so they stop and then they go and they go quick before the hyena come dig it's really fun i don't know what i'm doing tonight maybe that's too many mid quills in one in one setting. You don't watch The Real Housewives, right? I'm obsessed. So there's this bit in this season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where one of them, who I think is an alcoholic, is like, one of them is basically like, you overreact to things unnecessarily. Like, and this woman goes, name them. And Kyle tries to start describing them. And every time she says something, Sutton interrupts her going, name them, name them, name them. And James wanted to kill me today because I was just walking around the apartment going, name them. So when I say, like, what are your favorite bosses in the Kingdom Hearts 1 game, name them. Name them. Ryan obviously doesn't trust our data, and so he is implementing a rank shift. A completely consistent rank shift with our original list. That's not what you over it. I'm throwing you under the bus. I don't care. I work in a in a nonprofit world where we have a, a research team that I've really learned diligently from. And, you know, data must be trusted. And so I have decided that, you know, when we're ranking these, back in the day, we used to rank one thing per episode. In this, we're ranking so many different things. Our brains are overloaded. We're, 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 we may be drunk. We may not be. So we just need to tweak so we can feel really solid about the, the list. Like this is the peer review. We are now the peers who are reviewing our former selves. Okay, Name I'll go them. first. Name them. It's really satisfying to say. Okay, so the rules are each of us get to giveth 0.5 points to the final score or taketh away 0.5 points from the final score. I thought you were about to hit me with an and. I was like, Ryan, no. Three ranks. And we Correct. can either move them up a half point or down a half point. Correct. 
Correct. I would like to start. Please. And I would like to move Oogie Boogie down a half point. <gasps> OG Oogie Boogie? OG Boogie. Yes. He's too high for me. Okay, so he's going from an 8.75 to an 8.25. Wow. Looking at the list, this is the thing that really didn't sit right with me. The cards and the tower, currently at an 8, they're going to go down 0.5 points. I actually also will move them down five more points. We can move them down. Five more points. A whole point. Wow, thank you for yes-anding me. They went from an 8 to a 7. I am also going to continue to fuck Wonderland, and I'm going to move the Trickmaster down 0.5 points from a 7.875 to a 7.375. And then Ansem, which one is Ansem? Uh, Ansem Solo or Ansem on the beach? Who is Ansem Solo? When you're when it's you and Come Guardian alone, and you're in the multicolored crevice where the secret place used to be. Okay. There's like two Ansem fights in a row, essentially. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. In the goo. The crevice the... was confusing for me. The goo is how I think. The purple, the purple goo. The purple goo. Okay. And I want to move... I don't know. It's funny. I don't know whose ranks are whose, so that's like a fun, a fun bit for me. I'm going to move... I'm going to move the guard armor up 0.5. Wow. So we're moving guard armor from 8.5 to a 9. Yeah. Wow. Tied with Ansem Riku. Oh, you've put me in a very tricky position, Brooke. Very tricky. Um, okay. Would it set a really bad tone for the podcast if I were to if I were to move Ansem Riku up or move the guard armor back down? I would rather you move Ansem Riku up if I have my druthers because that like doesn't completely, I, I see why you're doing that and I feel okay with that, but moving him back down feels mean. It does feel mean. It feels wrong. Um, I'm going to- But moving him up feels feels appropriate. I'm going to move Ansem Riku up to the very tippy top of the ranking and you are so lucky because you would have been even more pissed if I had done what I was going to do. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I, I was going to raise up the world of chaos and you would have walked away. Okay, so drum roll, please. These are the official rankings for Kingdom Hearts 1 Bosses. Whoa, 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 whoa. The bosses of the first world. Kingdom Hearts 1.5 Final Mix Bosses, including but not limited to secret bosses, 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 buildings, creatures, humans, guardians. This is the first boss ranking driven by data between two Kingdom Hearts experts. So this is to be viewed as the definitive ranking of Kingdom Hearts 1 bosses. So all those scholars out there, please footnote us accordingly. Okay, let's begin with the behemoth, the worst boss in the Kingdom Hearts, not series, but the first Kingdom Hearts game, the worst boss is the behemoth. It just takes so long to get him dead you know he's got this horn and his attacks aren't even really that strong he can cause lightning to occur around him with the horn the first time you fight him is in the big swirly rainbow world and it just takes forever he's purple or maybe even post purple and you have to climb onto his back his horn is hard to hit he falls asleep you hit his horn and you still got lots and lots of health bars to go and then you have to fight him again at the tournament and what a snooze 
the behemoth. The Sounds behemoth. like a Friday night, you know? You hit his horn and then he falls. It's a bad, that's a bad hinge date if ever I heard one. Hit the horn. And then he the falls horn. asleep, but then you have to hit the horn again. The behemoth is a bad hinge date, but he's thick. Oh my God. Also, Ryan's drinking his wine out of like a to-go coffee cup with the, <laughs> with the cap on and all. Contrasted with my wine glass, which is the size of my head. I want it to stay cold, keep a cool head, because I know things are going to get a little hot as they did earlier. Yeah, we've already fought today. Speaking of fighting, coming in 29, let's talk about a fight that you are poised to fail. You are a young boy who is just thrown out of your home island into the most glorious town real estate has ever seen, Traverse Town. And you're confronted not by a welcome, not an are you okay, but a sexy man wearing leather pants with a sword the size of yesterday. And you can try to fight him, but like, I would say 9.9 times out of 10, you're going to die. And does it matter if you die? No. You don't even get an opportunity to try again. It's just like, you loser. Let's move on to the next cutscene. So if you haven't picked up on it yet, our 29th boss in Kingdom Hearts 1 final mix is Leon. He's very hard, near impossible, but sexy. Adam Driver could play Leon. Absolutely. And that would get him above 29. He'd be in the top 15 if it was Adam Driver. I mean, I, I, we're not ranking the characters here. Yeah, yeah. Just the, the experience of the boss fight. Yeah. Him, him walking around Traverse Town's first district, glaring at you, jumping on the roof, hitting you with a sword. I'd feel less nihilistic about it. Yeah. Bringing us to 28. Call PETA because we're beating the shit out of an endangered creature. It's Sabor. We fight him or her all over Deep Jungle, which we love. And he doesn't really change. She doesn't really change. She just jumps out of the treehouse or jumps out of the bamboo thicket. And you just fight her all over the place. There's no fanfare. There's no announcement. There isn't even boss music for this sad, sad leopard. And so we get the White Fang. But that's about all I get out of this fight. Sabor, 28 on our ranking. Pretty easy and pretty underwhelming. Sabor, more like Saborink. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I just Googled Tarzan Sabor gender just because I was curious. And it literally says Sabor's gender is unknown, but within the Kingdom Hearts universe is credited as male. However, Sabor was based on the lionesses from the Tarzan novels, so she's more likely a female. So you were not wrong. Inconclusive. And does it matter? Would it be ranked higher if it was a woman or a man? And that's a question for our audience to ponder. Okay, so now we're leaving the lush forest to go to not just a stadium, but we want to go rock climbing. And that's exactly what you do in our first of two 27 ranked bosses, uh, the Rock Titan. You climb him, you hit him. He's a post purple, so he seems a lot harder than he is. But you really just got to hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him. And then he falls and you hit him, hit him, hit him on the head. And he crumbles. He pales in comparison to the next time we fight him where he's scaling mountains. <laughs> in Olympus, in Kingdom Hearts 3. And that is tied with not one, not two, but three cheeky little sneaks who are running around a room in Oogie Boogie's manner. Lock, Shock, and Barrel are here and they are trying to get you got. And you have to beat them. And if you beat them in a certain order, you get a special prize, which I didn't know until I researched it. But apparently that's true. So coming in at a 3.75, which is still pretty low, 
We've got the Rock Titan in the Olympus Coliseum and Lock, Shock, and Barrel. Next up, we have another tie, and we must have something about bosses that come back in a better form later and them being ranked low for being terrible first go-round. But both of these bosses come back bigger and better either later in the game or in a later game. At number 26 is the first version of the Parasite Cage. Honestly, being in the bowels is doing a lot of work for this Parasite Cage. The only reason it's ranked this high is because we get being to fight in with the Riku. bowels. <laughs> We're in the bowels, and it's a very nice room, isn't it? You jump through the sphincter at the end, you watch the swirly things in the walls, and it's really cool to see Riku fight and to fight alongside your friend slash enemy during the game. It's a thrilling experience, wasn't it for you, Brooke? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so that's that's about how we feel. At a solid 4.25, the Parasite Cage first version. We also have at 4.25, tied for 26, Captain Hook. You know, it's nice to see our friend running around the deck of his ship. It's fun to light his butt on fire and watch him run around. Where are all the presents that he's throwing at you coming from? I don't know. But it's a confusing fight. Are you supposed to fly? Are you supposed to stay on the ground? Sometimes you're flying and you're trying to hit him and you're ducking down and you're missing him. It's just a little underwhelming, especially compared to the other Disney villain fights. Captain Hook, we know you're coming back bigger and better than ever in an earlier form in a later game in Birth by Sleep. Captain Hook, thank you for your service. In an earlier form in a later game, really just... No, you're right. You're right. I was just like sitting here. It's like that meme where like math just starts happening. Um, I was like... (laughs) Anyway. Boogie boogie matter, boys. I've been really saying... I've been saying yipes a lot lately. Yipes. I was working out with my trainer and... And I was doing something and I literally went... Yipes! And I was like, I'm a cartoon character. Sometimes he makes fun of me because I'm like a anime character because I'll be like, hmm, yeah. Anyway, sounds like there's a boss uh, ready to be made of you because you've got all the battle sounds. I'm the hero. I'm the main character. Coming in at 25. Happy 25th. We're already here. We've got a golden boy. We've got a real taunter, if you ask me. Is that all you got? You ready yet? You have to throw barrels at him. And why barrels are the thing that can knock him off his peg is really, really confusing to me. But we've got our old friend Hercules. He's shiny. He torpedoes at you. He is fine. And at a solid 4.5, Hercules coming in at number 25. Mm. Coming up from the golden boy, we have the charcoal boy, the dark side of Sora. At 24, ranked at 4.75, a very hard battle fighting anti-Sora in Captain Hook's office. It just doesn't seem like the right place to fight anti-Sora for the first time, but it's a very tough boss battle. He splits himself into multiple anti-Soras, but I find it a little anticlimactic. Honestly, it's just a claustrophobic little battle against yourself and no one wants to be faced with their own darkness. But Brooke pointed out something that I never clocked, and that's that this is a play on Peter Pan finding his shadow. Well, Sora found his shadow and we found it a little underwhelming. 4.75, 24. Coming in at number 23, we were underwhelmed by something small and dark. So we're going to give you just the head 
but huge and dark, which is a very sexual sentence when you take it out of context. It's the Cave of Wonders, a beautiful homage to a great Disney film. You're fighting the big cat in the sand, but you're not just fighting the big cat in the sand. You're also fighting some fat bandits. You're fighting a bunch of other heartless that live. That's the only one I can name from Agrabah. And they are really impeding on your ability to succeed. It's harder than you want it to be. It's not the hardest thing you've ever done, but it is challenging, especially you're still at a point in the game where maybe you haven't ground enough. So coming in with a solid five. Oh, we have a tie that I missed. We do. We have a tie that I missed. Oh, no. Great. Well, next, we're going to add some bonus points to Riku in the lobby of Hollow Bastion just to make the rankings make sense at a 5.000009. We have Riku in the lobby of Hollow Bastion at 22. You know, it's a very climactic moment for our hero, Sora, when he finally comes face to face with his best friend who's betrayed him, who has pulled his other best friends away from him on a pursuit of what? King Mickey. Mickey Mouse, Minnie's husband. They're on a quest. And this is where Sora grows some balls, where he says, my friends, they're my power, and earns his Keyblade back. We learned that, you know what? Riku is probably supposed to be the keyblade bearer but the strength of Sora's heart gets us into the battle he drops that wooden sword and he fights Riku you think that this implies that Riku is meant to be the keyblade bearer yeah don't you you think that Riku is the Neville Longbottom I think that it strongly implies that Riku's a keyblade master he's not a keyblade master though yet but he eventually becomes one and Sora never does that's because of Sora's trauma. Sora, what, what trauma? His life is perfect. What's his trauma? His life is perfect? His life is perfect. His life is not perfect. That's the craziest thing you've ever said. Like, I'll shit on Sora till I'm blue in the face, but that kid's had Where's his dad? He's stripped away from his mom. His best friend slash girlfriend is missing. He doesn't give a shit about his parents. I'll say that. You don't think he gives a shit? I guess he doesn't ever mention them. I don't know. He's not like, where's my mom? I've got to see my mom again. It's Kyrie, 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 Kyrie. He doesn't give a shit about his mom. Otherwise, he'd be trying to go back. He is back on Destiny Islands, and not once does he ask, where's mom? Sora, time for dinner. Sora, mom, I'm back on Destiny Islands. There's a giant crater. It's all been destroyed. Don't you think you'd want to make sure your mom's okay? Find her grave or something? I could do a whole episode on the like logistics of Destiny Islands, like what it looks like, because it looks like the island that they go to is actually farther away than like where the like people are. Yeah, I th- so, but the whole world was destroyed. Like hypothetically, Sora's mom is still living on peace, in peace, on, on part peace. of the island. She's on peace. But don't you think there should be some... Acknowledgement of her existence? You know who would never treat his mom like that? Roxas. Does Roxas have a mom? I don't know. No. He thinks he does have a mom. Whose bedroom is he in? Well, he's in a simulation. But he but he doesn't, he still thinks he's living his real life. This game, the more I talk about it, it makes less sense. No parent representation. And I just, I think Sora has not suffered much. That's the craziest thing you've ever said. Remember when we talked about whether Esmeralda or Riku has suffered more? Those two at least have both suffered. One is a persecuted class of individual. The other was possessed by Ansem. Sora has gone through no such trial. Sora's been through a lot. I'm, name one, I'm, name one, one bit of adversity. He's literally knocked unconscious and put into a giant egg to mine his memories. 
to heal. No. He, he, he comes out refreshed and ready to play. Because they save him. They were planning on getting... No. He doesn't seem traumatized whatsoever. He has no Moving trauma. on. Someone give me a shot glass because we have a three-way tie at 21. And Ryan, what a good three-way tie this is. Yummy. It's a very misspelled Cerberus. Cerebrus. Cerebrus. <laughs> a three-headed dog. He's a three-headed dog. Yeah, he's not like Pete. What you see is what you get. Can you imagine a three-headed Pete? Yes, and it would it would put me over the edge. <laughs> uh, I personally hate Cerberus, so I'm going to shit on him. He stomps and he makes his little stompy energy circles. And you have to run around the arena. It is cool that you get to like utilize the whole arena per Ryan's Olympus Coliseum rules. So I'm going to give him credit for that. But it's like pretty mid. The next boss is an iconic boss. So we've got human Jafar. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're just in a room with him. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. And then he kind of jumps to the other side of the room. He casts a spell in Jafar-like land. He floats. He taunts. He does what Jafar does best, float and taunt. But the real MVP of this boss fight is our big blue. Genie, against his will, being like, I'm going to cover my eyes and I'm going to hurt you. Watch out. Hey, sorry. It's, it's adorable. Priceless. It's a great arena. I love the ice storm in the middle. It's, it's a yeah. lot of fun, but Jafar, big mid. Big mid energy. And then speaking of mid, how are you supposed to find it in the middle of all these other things? We've got the pot centipede, which is just a bunch of pots, human centipeding to make the pot centipede. <laughs> so it's not a human centipede, it's still a pot centipede. And you never know which one has Jasmine, and I don't think it matters. You'll never find her either. She'll be screaming, Aladdin, help me, I'm stuck in a pot. It doesn't matter how many breaks, she's in one of them. <laughs> That's very Austin Powers. Um, I'm in a nut, this is me, I'm trapped in a nutshell. Help, help. <laughs> this boss battle would have been a lot better if you could have freed Jasmine. I agree. Free Jasmine. At 5.375, we've got Cerebrus, Jafar, and the boss defeat. And coming up from there, we have our friend Big Daddy Heartless. Listen, we fight the dark side multiple times over the course of the series, and it's always a bit of a wow, but it never really wows me more than this. The first time you fight him is in The Awakening. The second time you fight him, this is when we're really judging him, because he is on a floating island, Debris is flying all over the place. Sora's mom is flying into oblivion and he doesn't care. He is just focused on fighting Big Daddy Heartless. Wouldn't you be? If my, I would be concerned about my parents, but I'd also be concerned about my survival. I, both can exist at the same time. However, it is a great boss fight. He has only a few tricks up his sleeve. You know, he digs into the earth, pulls out Ant Heartless. He makes little Spencer's Gift electric balls rain from the sky. He shoots lasers at you. He's a bit of a three-trick wonder, but he is a staple of the Kingdom Hearts series. Dark Side coming in, ranked at 20. He didn't talk about it when he fists you. My mind is the gutter. He doesn't fist you. He fists the ground. Fists you in the ground. He fists the ground. He doesn't fist Sora. Sora would never survive. Speaking of, we need to find a fanfic for us to do. We do. We do. Something filthy, disgusting. <laughs> Speaking of, ugh, not to be confused with our sperm Jafar, which that's a different game, but we've got Ryan's very favorite, Bloody Jafar, who is coming in at number 19. Bloody slash more appropriately known as Genie Jafar is in his lava room. He is utilizing his little bird. 
who is yapping his little mouth off at you, flying across the arena. The room is getting bigger, very Mario-esque, you know? It's not super hard, but it is a great improvement from Jafar the human. He's floating more, but floating more impactfully as well. So coming in at 6.125 at an easy, we've got Genie Jafar. Floating more impactfully. Correct. I mean, we love the room. The lava room is doing most of the work. Lava factory vibes are great. It's a very indirect confrontation, but we love, we love. And coming up from Gini Jafar at number 18. (laughs) At 18, 18, 6.5. We had quite the disagreement about this boss. And I am here to defend it till the cows come home. We have the world of chaos, evil, twisted, malignant vibes for this final boss, underwhelming vibes from Brooke, but I love the jiggly jack-o'-lantern boobs. We love the long phallic heartless knobs. We love Ansem with the big nunchucks and we love scary muscle face. It just feels wrong, just like darkness should. The world of chaos is the perfect end to a perfect game. 6.5, number 18, world of chaos, not to be confused with this podcast. (laughs) Not to be confused with this podcast. All right. Apparently, I'm just really coming in hot with the three-way ties. So coming in at number 17, we've got, first we've got a blonde cutie. We're back in the Olympus Coliseum and boy, oh boy, is he angry and his name is Cloud and he comes from another Square Enix series and he's got another big, big sword, but this sword is like wrapped in cloth for some reason, but boy, oh boy, is he just ramming at you with it and he's hoed and Hades has some, some deal with him, but you can beat him. You actually, unlike Leon, you get to try and try again and it's Cloud. Speaking of clouds, we're on a beach and we get to fight Ansem for the first time. Does it pale in comparison to his second which we'll get to later, yes. But is this the first time that we're introduced to our beloved cum guardian? You bet your taped up hero mouth it is. Ansem, he's not so challenging. He's taunting a little, but he's introducing you to the cum guardian, but you don't even know what's in store yet. And then finally, last but certainly not least, I know you're like, Brooke, what could possibly compete with these two beautiful humans and their cum guardian? Well, let me tell you, it's a giant, giant house. And it's a house with giant, giant balls floating around it. It's Oogie's Manor, which apparently is optional. And something that we actually didn't talk about is the secret boss that this unlocks. We did not rank the chimerical, C-H-I-M-E-R-I-C-A-L, which... Not so much a boss, more of one of the secret heartless. It's like the grand ghost or the, he's he's gamey. He's gamey. He's a little chewy for my taste. A little chewy. At 6.75, we've got Oogie Manor, Ansem on the Beach, a cocktail that we should figure out. Ansem on the Beach. It's a little darker than a sex on the beach. And Cloud. Thank you so much for articulating that wonderful three-way tie. Remember, with Oogie Manor, if you get Glide, it makes your life a lot easier and you can always come back. He's just there waiting for you. He's a giant manor. He doesn't have feelings or thoughts. Time is not real. So just get Glide and come back and it'll make it a lot easier to get those, you know, orbs of darkness. 
Next up, we have, wow, what a improvement from the first parasite cage. We've gone from the bowels to the stomach, parasite cage two, it's just like parasite cage one, minus Riku, and plus a lot of acid. We're talking acid like stomach acid. It makes it a lot harder, and he's he's kicking. He's a little feistier. You're in a bit more of an enclosed space, and don't step on the acid because you will be poisoned. You will be digested like a little fish. The parasite cage, round two in Monstro. It's the room where the grand ghost is, and I know Brooke's going to say something about my spelling of the next thing on this list. Ryan, you're not wrong. Number 16, Parasite Cage, part two. It's medium to hard at 6.875. Coming in at another tie. This isn't normal tie. We've got first the opposite armor. <laughs> the opposite armor. <laughs> You're back in Traverse Town. You thought one guard armor was enough? It said, no, let me literally turn this on its head and I'm going to fight you again. And let me tell you, I'm going to be a lot harder. I'm going to shoot my hands at you. I'm going to zip zap zap around this arena and it's going to be challenging for you. And just coming up right behind it, knocked down a few pegs. We've got the cards and the tower. Why were we so hot on the cards and the tower? I think we're, I think with we were early, it was early days. Like, I think mm. we were just like so happy to be here. And I think, you know, honestly, I think for where you are in your skill level at that point in the game, the cards seem a lot like harder and more challenging. You're just like, wow, this is the most interesting thing other than uh, my beloved guard armor. This is the most interesting thing I've done yet. And we really, we have bloomers over our eyes. The panties are a huge part of why this boss fight is so satisfying. Yeah. So coming in at number 15, we've got the cars and the tower and the opposite armor at a seven. We always like sort of do this accidentally and even like the accidental 0.0009 ranking that we gave, everything happens for a reason. It's all part of what is destined. It's, it's fate. It is foretold. There is a book of prophecy. And in that book of prophecy are the Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts rankings. That is what everyone is seeking. The people in the game want to understand how two 31-year-olds feel about them. And I think that's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> next up at number 14, we need some strong female energy on this list. And here it is, baby. Would this be the first woman we're seeing on the list? I think, yeah. Possibly support. Potentially, like the Trickmaster could be a lady. The dark side could be a female identifying if we really let it. I don't actually, I don't think Big Daddy Heartless is because Big Daddy Heartless technically is like Sora's darkness. Continue. We get to see our girl in her lair, her makeup studio, her bedroom. It's all things to her. This is her personal space and she's going to really take charge of the room. We've got Ursula the octopus in her lair. This is Ursula part one. She's still small at this time, but she is mighty. She uses the power of her cauldron to shoot fire at you, to cause a water tornado. She spins around with not a goddamn care in the world, slapping you with her tentacles, whip, whap, whop, and- That is a wet ass pussy. <laughs> It is wet. It's it's all wet down there. Wet arms, wet hair, wet, wet everything. But if you don't have ethers in your arsenal, it's going to be a long fight for you. You got to beat up on the poopsies. Beat up on the poopsies till they die. And then she says, get up and fight. And then they say, there's no escape. It's a very moody, very tense, very ominous fight in a small enclosed space. And make sure you got magic because you're going to need Ursula's cauldron 
to be put in its place in order to whack her. And it's nice to see her take a little nap, bent over, just just a little tired, and then she gets up for another round of slapping you with those big-ass tentacles. We love her, and I just want to say that it's not fair that we start this fight with talking about how ugly she is. She literally gives you an evil look and everyone screams, and I think that didn't age well. 7.25, number 14, Ursula, you're beautiful to me. Love you, girl. Yet again, Brooke hit with another tie. At number 13, it is unknown, but we believe it to be Xemnas. Our first encounter with the nobody or the heartless, I still am unclear about their roles, of Xehanort. He's like a teaser trailer for Kingdom Hearts 2. He's really giving us Kingdom Hearts 2 in a Kingdom Hearts 1 world. But he's challenging. He is truly the epitome of a secret boss. Like, he's hard. He's fast. He's secret. You're literally like, princesses, excuse me. Do you not notice that giant energy orb over there? And they're like, oh, what princesses? And you're like, bitches, I gotta go take care of this boss. And speaking of, so on the two sides of the spectrum for this tie, we've got something brand new and something that I consider to be like canon, Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts, of our favorite family, the Trickmaster. The masters, God love him. He is flaily. He is juggling. He has fire. He is really getting you up, down, and sideways in that room. And I find him incredibly hard, but Ryan finds him easy. But coming in at a 7.375, I just want you guys to know how specific we are with these ranks. 7.375, we've got Unknown slash Semnus and the Trickmaster. Knock down a few pegs. Name them. I'm getting better. Okay. At number 12, we've got a secret boss, the ghost of Christmas yet to come with a new look for the final mix at the clock tower floating over London. If you're ever at Big Ben at nighttime, look up. Do you see Sora whacking a floating cloak with an energy ball inside of it? Yes, that's the phantom at 7.5. We've got a medium hard boss ranked at 12 you know he's he's got the power of the clock if you're trying to tell time at big ben when the phantom's around good luck to you because it's not counting the days and the hours it's counting down how much time peter pan has left on this earth you know you're floating around it's a little tricky because are you locking onto the clock are you locking onto the phantom you got to have a lot of magic because when it turns blue give him blizzard when it turns yellow give him thunder. When it turns white, give him hell. Phantom menace flying in the sky. You know, you're going to get Stopka from him and it's better that he's defeated because London will be safer. The ghost of Christmas yet to come. Phantom number 12. Number 11. One, two, three. Feel the heat. heat. He's blue. He's red. I still am not sure which time you're supposed to hit him. He's got turnstiles of fire, and you think you want to jump over them, but really, you got to go down. You got to duck. You got to hide. You got to get up. You got to get down. You got to get <laughs> Hades. <laughs> Number 11, at uh, 7.75, he's very, very, very hard. Ironically, not the final seed of the Hades Cup. Feel the heat. Okay, so we've got Hades. And then we've got Hades' boss, Maleficent. If you like flames and you like squirming evil, the theme, you're going to love this two-way tie between two bad, bad, bad people. Some would say frightening, ominous presences over both 
the Final Fantasy series and the Kingdom Hearts series and the Disney franchise. We've got a two-way tie between Maleficent and Sephiroth at number 10, both at 7.25. They're tied, and do you know what? I'm ready to defend this tie, and let me tell you why. Ryan was, I just wanted you to know Ryan was feeling really, like, precious about Sephiroth. Sephiroth! I can't have him below the cards. We would be a laughing stock in the Kingdom Hearts community. Could you imagine? We we did the Lord's work here. I mean, it's hard enough to defend this Maleficent Sephiroth tie, which is correct. But I just don't want fans coming after us because we know one thing about the Kingdom Hearts fans. They love us. Maleficent, and don't look too much into the spelling of Maleficent. She is the mistress of all evil, and she looms large over this entire game. She is a ominous presence. Every cutscene furthers our infatuation with her. When she shows up in that whale, we know she means business. When she's in Agrabah, we know she's not messing around. When she's on that creaky old ship, she is scheming and being a lady villain boss. And so when we get this final boss fight to confront the mistress of all evil, she's pulling out all the stops. Is it enough? Not really. It's not super hard, but she's bringing the meteors of heaven that can wipe you out. She is being big old, come hither. I'm playing hard to get on this platform. You can feel the power of her magic. It's an exciting visual boss fight, and we love the castle chapel. And Going you know, to the castle so chapel. Wow, it's, it's, isn't it interesting how our brains are like similar but different? That's the whole point of this series. I would like you go. Let's each sing our version of it. You go first. Okay. You, you know, you please you. Going to the castle chapel. Gonna fight Maleficent. Going to the chapel at Hollow Bastion. Going to the chapel and we're gonna see the meteors. Gonna see the meteors <laughs> of heaven. <laughs> God, I love us so much. I love us. And Maleficent loves us too. And honestly, she looms large over the series. And this is the first of two amazing confrontations. And I say it's worth it. And as a gravity user and a gravity lover myself, it's nice to get some gravity representation. Set me free. Leave me free. I don't want to fall another moment into your gravity. Beautiful. And that's Maleficent singing. I'm Maleficent. My favorite thing is when she goes, no, and then she whacks <laughs> you with her staff. I just, I really, I respect a strong woman. And then there's Sephiroth. You know what? A lot of the lore about Sephiroth is why he's ranked so high. He has no bearing on the plot. All he is, is a challenge. And people just gear up to beat Sephiroth. He has no story arc. And if, if you beat him, he says, I wasn't even trying that hard. I feel like he has a little bit of a story arc. Don't we meet him? Briefly, but he just kind of looks at you demeaningly. Like, he, all he does is demean you. And I think Maleficent's putting in the work, and I'm not going to put Sephiroth, who just sort of drops in and falls upwards as a, another cis white man, to be ranked higher just because he showed up. You know? Maleficent worked hard. You have two battles with her. And then he has all his spells. He puts your health at 1%. It's just... It's not fair for him to just come in and be ranked super high. It's a fun battle, but you're constrained. He has his own theme song, but do you know what? So can everyone in this day and age. Fiverr, call him, have him write you a theme song. I mean, anyone can have that. A Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts theme song? Perhaps. Buy us a theme song. <laughs> That's what we want. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. We have a new theme song. 
Because aren't you tired of us talking in the intro? You could have a theme song. Okay, okay. Sephiroth and Maleficent are tied at number 10. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong that we fight this chur- we fight the Cherbanog at the end of the like the journey through the world that never was. Or that's not the world that never was, sorry. The the end of the world. When once you go through you go through all the worlds, you're trapped in the pirate ship for two days and you want to quit the game and you find your way out. And then you have to fight the Cherbanog himself of Fantasia fame. He's not he's a distant relative cousin of of Dark Daddy Heartless. I don't remember this boss at all, but apparently we loved him. He we gave him an eight. You have to fly behind his head to get to him. He's really hard. He's a very satisfying. The music is good. The honestly, like we gave the Turbinog this high of a ranking because vibes. Vibes. He's he's in great shape. Big he's sexy. Satan vibes. He's got classical music behind him. What else is there really to say? Nothing but love for Cherbanog and way better than the DDD version. And you go into his little mountain after you you beat him up. Cherbanog's in an eight. We're jumping to an 8.125. We're in the arena, but you know, the pillars are down. We can use the whole space, which we love. It's the Ice Titan. After fighting the Rock Titan, you must assume that all Titans are wusses. No siree when it comes to the Ice Titan. He's big. He's pointy he's sharp he's skeletal he's made of ice and he will shoot icicles at you all day long he's jack frost but evil and big he'll scream at the skies and then big old blocks of ice will hit you you have to be on your toes he's a big old challenge in the gold cup and i love beating him and turning him to a small little titan that you you almost step on and then he runs away at the end spoiler alert he no we love him we love him or her or them the ice titan uh number eight eight point one two five very hard very hard it's really very satisfying and it's a real pleasure to be able to speak to this next boss number seven a secret boss a challenging boss a boss that really earned their way the mysterious man that ever was. Kurt sees him manifest as, as a desert scorpion. Sometimes you can use magic. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you got to hit him. He's a really tricky, tricky scorpion. And he's a tricky, tricky scorpion for us trying to contact him. So he's hard not only in the context of the game, but also in the context of life. Scholastic man your, himself, Kurt Zisa. He's an 8.25 and he's hard to reach on LinkedIn. <laughs> Daddy Kurt, wherever you are, hear our plea. Come on the podcast and then we'll let you be. Next up from Kurt Zisa. <laughs> Next uh, up from Kurt Zisa. <laughs> <laughs> Due to a clerical error, we've gotten a bump from Oogie Boogie himself. He was bumped down and then he gets a little bump up. That's life, baby. Two steps down, one step forward. He is now at an eight. Point three, a medium boss himself. It's not a super hard battle. This is classic Kingdom Hearts genius at work. Number six, Oogie F and Boogie and his giant torture chamber roulette wheel. If you like Neon, you're going to love this battle. You know, he throws everything he has to throw at you. He throws dice. He throws a buzzsaw. He throws hopping knives. He throws heartless. This and don't forget the statues that shoot the gun at you. The wheel spins in a, in a game that you can eventually win. It is just 
genius vibes all around. And then you got to step on the button, get up there and whack the shit out of him. It's an indirect confrontation, but ultimately it is a classic Kingdom Hearts 1 example of using the environment to make an exciting and dynamic boss fight. I could not love this villain fight more. Oogie Boogie gets what he deserves. Because imagine if it was just you and Oogie Boogie in an arena fighting in hand-to-hand combat. He wouldn't stand a chance. He would not. He's just a sack of bugs. Sack of bugs. Oh. Just a teenage bug bag, baby. I'm just a teenage bug bag, baby. Okay. Give her some wine. Give her a song. I haven't had wine in quite some time. She said with a lie. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's true. I haven't had wine since we had wine. Anyway, coming in at number five, I feel bad taking this from Ryan, um, but we've got Clayton and his good friend, the Stealth Sneak. Oh, oh, not Clayton. It really starts off strong with just a primal scream, an aptly named primal scream from our boy Clayton Derulo. And if you told me, if I told you that I had an invisible sidekick, you'd say, Brooke, are you well? But with Clayton, you're like, let me investigate this more. And then suddenly Lisa Frank's lizard himself hanging out aside him. Lisa Frank? Yeah. Who's Lisa Frank? The stealth snake gives big Lisa Frank energy. Lisa Frank? Who's Lisa Frank? Lisa Frank is like, you know those folders from when we were kids that were like rainbow colored and had like a unicorn on it? Yes, Lisa Frank, Lisa Frank. Lisa Frank, Lisa Frank. Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts, Lisa Frank. Kingdom Hearts, Lisa Frank, Lisa Okay. It's really hard. It's really like, I feel like it's a turning point in the game for Ryan specifically. Like, he knows the cutscene by heart, but it's hard. It's hard, hard. And it's an eight point. Three seven five. We've got Clayton and the stealth sneak. It's where shit gets real. We love when shit gets real. So we've got up from there at number four, ranked at a eight point five, a really solid rank for Maleficent Dragon. We saw our girl in all of her floating glory, and now her heart has been unlocked. She realizes that she has the talent, the capacity, the will to become a giant dragon. And she does that thanks to Riku slash Ansem unlocking her heart with the Keyblade. She's a big old, big old dragon. A lot of fire action here. Just green flames, green flames, stomping. Uh, You better have Tinkerbell in your arsenal because you're probably going to die once. And that's okay if you got the Tink. But if you don't, you're going to (laughs) die. She's in the pink. Um... (laughs) As far as the health bar goes, she's pink. Um, And you just got to survive in this amazing turret tower filled with thorny vines. I mean, it's it's really a crescendo for the game. And we love Maleficent Dragon. Anything to add about MD? I couldn't speak to it anymore. Perfect. Any better than you can. Also, did you notice that I'm like flush? I like haven't drank wine in a week. And now I'm all like, whew. She is flush, ladies and gentlemen. On Patreon, you can see that I'm flush. <laughs> if you're on Patreon, you can see that she's very flush. Come join us on Patreon. It's worth it. It's worth it. And on YouTube. This is going to be on YouTube. There are going to be a couple of episodes that we are going to put on YouTube. Because it's amazing that people without our expertise are speaking to these rankings. And this is our domain now. My final tie. I feel bad, honestly. 
First, I get to say not one, but two of my favorite catchphrases. So I obviously got to talk to Hades. But Ryan, I would like you to say it, actually. Mm, not very tasty. Which was hotly contested between the two of us. It was not good enough to fight her when she was normal size. She says, I need to be big. So you fight giant Ursula and she's sucking you in. She's hard and she wants lightning, but lightning is actually bad. Another one where you got to swim around to the back of her head. And boy, oh boy, if you get too close, she's going to you right up. She's hard. She's satisfying. She's the fucking best. I love her. <laughs> we love her. We love a chatty boss here at Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts. And she is the chattiest. I feel like I could have her as a podcast guest. How is she able to give you a tight five and also fight you in battle? What's a tight five? Like a stand-up routine. <laughs> and tied with Ursula. I do feel just is Ansem in the goo. Our second time fighting Ansem and his my beloved come guardian. Now they're fighting. They're throwing fucking like beams of electricity at you. It is hard. These are hard battles. It is taking what we played on the beach and it is giving you amped. It is giving you level two. It is giving you hard. It's giving guardian. Especially when the guardian takes over you, what are you supposed to do? 8.75, hard, hard. Number three, Ansem, Indigo, and Ursula. Mm, mm. Parentheses, giant. Chef's kiss all around. At number two... He had a comeback, thanks to a little help from our friend Brooke. We have, I would say, a nostalgic king, a clanking, clinking guardian of Traverse Town. This is where this is where shit gets real. The guard armor is not there to make friends. He is there to throw his limbs at you. Um, I am still quite disturbed by the color change from a royal purple to a gray and yellow and red and blue. But I see why this is synonymous with Kingdom Hearts. It's an original, an original creation for this game. It's not, it's not from Final Fantasy. It's not from Disney. It is created specifically for you, the player, for this moment in time. Three people, one heartless, one arena, who will survive find out three people is a stretch one person a duck and a dog and a bunch of metal and a fountain and what else is there to say guard armor hard if you're not at the right level but it's really laying down the gauntlet saying this game better have your guard up anything else to add as to why you gave him a chance to fly why you raised him high I think it's nostalgia. I just think we love the guard armor. We've talked a lot about the guard armor. I think that the guard armor is hard and I think the guard armor is satisfying. And I think it is like the moment in the game where you're like, oh shit, a challenge. Yeah. And I'm really, really looking at the list, like pivotal moments in the gameplay really bode well for our, for our top ranked bosses. Yeah. Coming in at number one, we've got the muscly suit that captures our friend Riku. In a room full of pipes and hearts, hearts and pipes, we've got Ansem Riku and arguably the most exciting and hardest boss. He's fast. It's solo. It's sexy, dare I say. It's dramatic. It's pivotal. It is mm. climactic. We have Ansem Riku at a 9.5. Anything to add? I just think that, you know, we're talking about pivotal moments in the game. This is the moment where you realize your antagonist, Riku, 
has been possessed by the big bad. It's not Maleficent. It's what you thought was Ansem, but it's really Ansem's Heartless, possessing our friend. And when he comes down and he says, it is I, Ansem, seeker of darkness, that is seared into my memory. I will never forget it. Him floating down in front of the rainbow keyhole. I mean, it is an exciting boss battle. It's one that you really, really need to get right. And then, of course, we have our moment where Sora turns into a heartless right after this. So it advances the plot. It's it's a challenge. You got to be quick on your feet. He's got the darkness and he is really, truly not just the big bad, but a familiar friend, a familiar foe that you fought on the beach who is now coming in hot as Meat Suit. Meat Suit. That's it, y'all. That's our ranking. Agree? Disagree? Please let us know. We're all ears. Send us a voice memo. Send us a DM. Comment on this video if you're watching on YouTube. And really come for us because we've got to come guard you. Yeah, and also like we would love to respond to you. Yes, we're, we're hungry for it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you're looking to connect our heart, follow us on Instagram at kingdomhearts underscore pod. And if you want to enter the realm of darkness that is our lives, follow us. I'm at Brooke Wiseman. And I'm at Rye Bernston. See you next week. Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. The podcast.